Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 6 of Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verse 4, Genesis 6, verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And I'll stop reading there. Now, first of all, in the first part of the verse, it says there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that. And the Hebrew word that God uses here for giants is 5303 in Strong's Concordance. It's not the typical or usual word for giants. This word, um, 5303, is Nephilim, and it's only used here in this verse and over in Numbers chapter 13, or it's used in Genesis 6 and in Numbers chapter 13, and we'll look at Numbers uh, in just a little bit. The other more used word for giants is a word that would be pronounced Rafa, and it's 7497, so it's nothing near this word as far as how it's spelled. And this is the word that um, is used of Og, the kingdom of Og. Remember, the the king uh, was was a giant. It's the word that's used uh, concerning some of the Philistine giants and so forth. And, and so God uh, intentionally used this word. And again, it's only found in Numbers chapter 13. Let's go over there. Outside of Genesis 6, that is, in Numbers 13 and in verses 32 and 33. Numbers 13.32 says, And they brought up an evil report of the land. This is the spies that were sent to search out the land when Israel first came out of Egypt and, and entered into the wilderness. The Lord had a man from each of the twelve tribes of Israel go to search out the land, but they returned with an evil report except for Caleb and Joshua. Okay, uh, again, Numbers 13.32. They had brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants the sons of Anak. And the word giants is 
the same word is in Genesis 5303. And they are the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. It's the same word again. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So these uh, these giants, the sons of Anak, were very tall men. Well, how tall were they? What would have been considered a giant in the time before the flood? Well, since God uses the same word giant here, we do get some idea of the height of the men that God is speaking of that lived at the time of Noah or the time before the flood. And I'd just like to mention that in Mr. Camping's book, Time Has an End, uh, he went into some detail concerning a cave that was discovered in Lingboa, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but Lingbua in Indonesia, where there were several skeletal remains. Um, I think there were some complete skeletal remains of people who were found in a cave that was 1,640 feet above sea level. And, of course, what was significant about these remains was the evidence of a flood that they also found in the same cave. There there was uh, water-laden sediment that uh, was discovered in the cave with these skeletal remains of several individuals. And that that's amazing when you think of it because it's so high. 1,640 feet is very high up above sea level. Um, how could a flood occurred at, at that particular height? And of course, the Bible provides the answer with Noah's flood, which was a worldwide cataclysmic event. The Bible says that uh, the flood waters were 15 cubits above the highest mountains. And 15 cubits, each cubit is a foot and a half. You know, that that's very high above the highest mountain in the world. And certainly, when the flood began, if uh, people were not naturally cave dwellers, when the flood began and, and the rain kept falling, day after day after day, what would be the natural response for people? To seek higher ground. So, if you're in a, in a plain or in a valley, uh, you're going to get flooded out quickly, uh, but there's mountains on either side of you. You start uh, loading your possessions and your family and climbing that tall hill or high mountain and and, and hoping that uh, at some point the rain will stop. But, of course, we know the historical fact that, that the Bible tells us that the rain poured down for 40 consecutive days, a deluge, 40 days without stopping. Uh, you know, sometimes we see a downpour and, and you know, we say it's raining like cats and dogs and 
really, it, it, it's like a cloudburst that so much water can fall in just a few minutes. And, and, uh, sometimes that is enough to overflow creeks and, 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 uh, nearby waterways. And, and then it, it slows or it might even stop. It could pick up again later. But the flood of Noah's day was a continuous downpouring of unparalleled proportions. It just kept raining. And so, People would have kept climbing higher and higher. Uh, and uh, w- Again, we don't know the specifics, how much rain fell in each 24-hour period, what uh, the, the earth was like after a week, or where you happened to be on the earth. If you uh, started out on high ground, well, then your situation would be different than people who are at sea level. And and yet, we do know it kept raining and kept raining, and, and so people could have just gone for the highest peak, and, and perhaps this family went and found a cave in Indonesia, what we now know as Indonesia, and, and they set up to live there uh, for a while, because uh, as the waters climb, even... If the rain would have stopped, it would have taken some time for the waters to decrease so that they could return back to the valley. And so uh, the waters did not stop. And and finally, these poor people, they, they had done everything they could do to escape the flood. But, uh, of course, you, you can't go any higher than the highest mountain and 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 then when the water starts filling the cave what can you do there's nowhere left to go and and that's what happened in the case of these people they drowned well it so happens that the average height of these people they were fully grown was 3 feet tall and 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 so mr camping went in, again went into some detail uh, to, um, he speculated, but he implied that that would have been the average height for people living before the flood. And this is one of the few times that I disagree with Mr. Camping. And I, I, I thought it was, um, too much of a generalization. Yes, that family or group of people, their average height was about three feet. But that doesn't mean that we can then uh, take their average height and say everyone's average height was about three feet. No, no. And, and Mr. Camping also did some speculation that, that Noah and his family were like giants because they were double the average height, about six feet. And, and, no, no, uh, here in Numbers 13, God tells us by using the same Hebrew word for giants that's in Genesis 6, here in Numbers 13, the, the giants, the sons of Anak. Remember the report from the spies back in verse 32, they said, all the people we saw in it 
are men of a great stature. Now we have a, a description of what a giant is. It's a man of great stature. Okay, well, is the uh, Hebrew word translated great stature found anywhere else? And yes, it is. If we go to First Chronicles chapter 11, I'll start reading in verse 22. Beniah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts. He slew two lion-like men of Moab. Also he went down and slew a lion in a pit in a snowy day. And he slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature. That's the same word that's found in Numbers 13, verse 32. And it's referring in Numbers 13:32 to a giant, uh, a son of Anak. Well, uh, we're curious. What does the Bible consider to be the size of a man of great stature? He slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits high, and in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam. And and I I like to finish the verse, even though uh, we we basically got the information we came for, but but uh, I, I would not want to leave anyone hanging. And and he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. So the Egyptian, a man of great stature, was five cubits high, and a cubit is a foot. And a half. So if you are five cubits tall, and therefore you're a man of great stature, how tall are you? Well, that's five times one and a half feet. And that would be seven and a half feet tall. Or seven foot six. Which is a very tall person, even today. Well, actually, I don't know what normal height is anymore. Um, it, it varies probably from country to country. But let's say normal height is about six foot uh, in America. In, in our modern world, it might be a little higher or a little lower or lesser than that. But still, if if we see a person that's seven foot tall, we think, wow, that that man is really tall and and you will see seven foot tall people playing basketball. Seven and a half feet tall is, is very rare. And, and that comes to the level of giant. This is a person a foot and a half taller than those that have average height. And, and so I, I think that we can understand when God is saying in Genesis 6, verse 4, and this is just, of course, historically, on the natural level, there were giants in the earth in those days. Nephanim, the word that is only used in Numbers 13 of the sons of Anak, who are described as being men of great stature. And 
God uses that particular word, uh, description of great stature in association with an Egyptian giant or man of great stature who was seven and a half feet tall, five cubits. And, and so, um, you know, certainly, uh, the size of men before the flood could have been smaller than man's average size today. Maybe, maybe average height was five foot four, five foot five, five foot six. We don't know. But I think it would be saying too much and carrying speculation too far to take the example of one cave and, and individuals found there and overgeneralizing and saying, well, now this is the height for everyone who lived. And, and the giants would have been double their height, about six feet. No, that's, if the three foot is not the average height, then a giant would not have been six feet tall. And, and so that is dependent, saying giants would be six feet tall upon the average height of people of that day. It, for instance, if there was some sort of a, another cataclysmic event in, in Australia or, or maybe uh, I'm not sure exactly where pygmies are found, maybe in Africa. But but if a family of pygmies were discovered and, and there were no other known um, skeletal remains, it, it w- you see how you could err in drawing a conclusion that everyone alive at that time in all the world was the, the height of the pygmies that were found. Or, or also, if you, there are some tribes in Africa where they're very tall members and, and if you isolated just, uh, that particular, uh, site of remains and, and you could draw a conclusion everyone was so tall. No, there, there's not enough information. Maybe if there was a second site or a third site found, in another location, another part of the world for confirmation. That, that sort of information would need further confirmation. But we don't have that, at least not right now. So, uh, I think we're comfortable with the Bible's information that a man of great stature, who is called a giant in Numbers 13, is someone seven and a half feet tall. And if that's a giant, then, uh, again, normal height, normal average height for men prior to the flood would be, um, same average height as after the flood. It stands the reason also that prior to the flood, health conditions for mankind would have been better because of water canopy. Men tended to live longer, there was less disease and so forth, than after the flood. And when people are taller and, and you, you tend to be more physically stronger, it, it just seems that um, the weaker human specimen, as far as size and strength, would not have been prior to the flood, but would, would seem to come afterwards. But, but that's speculation on my part. All right, let's Go back to Genesis 6, verse 4. 
There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that. So prior to the flood, there were giants. After the flood, there were giants. And and we know this. There was Goliath. There was uh, Og, the king of Bashan, um, and sons of Goliath, and or sons of the Philistine, and, and so forth. The Egyptian, men of great stature, sons of Anak. Um, there, there, there were giants in the world, and a giant is just someone who uh, is about a foot and a half to two feet taller than average height. And it was before the flood and after the flood. And then it goes on to say, When the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bear children to them. So the, the giants spiritually are being connected to the sons of God bearing children to the daughters of men. And this is the second time in just a few verses that God has made this reference to the intermarrying that was going on that uh, provoked God to wrath prior to the time of the flood, which was the pouring out of his wrath. Remember back in uh, verse 1 of Genesis 6, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Now, we didn't mention this before, because it's really too far out too ridiculous to even spend uh, any time on, but there have been theologians that have commented in, in their theological writings that the sons of God are angels and the daughters of men are, are just uh, women that are, uh, you know, daughters of men, uh, human beings. And the intermarriage that was taking place was between angels and mankind. And so this is their extreme speculation that they have uh, no basis for. It's it's just uh, a fantasy. It's beyond possibility, beyond the realm of possibility, because angels are spirit beings. And there can be no marriage between an angel, a spirit being, and a man who is, he possesses a a spirit nature, but he has a physical body. That you just cannot um, have marriages and and you certainly cannot produce children that, that are born that come as a result, as, uh, as verse four is telling us. Um, the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bear children to them. You can see how foolish the theologian's idea is that, that the sons of God are angelic beings, angels that are mating with, uh, mankind, with the daughters of men and children are born to them. Well, no, that's not possible. And uh, I remember Mr. Camping used to uh, give an excellent analogy 
Angels are a different creature than men. They they are not the same kind. And it's like uh, taking an elephant and joining it together with a mouse and saying that, well, the elephant and the mouse are going to have relations and and bear offspring. And if we use that kind of comparison, we see just how ridiculous an idea it is. You cannot take one kind and mix it with another kind. You cannot take a spirit being and mix it with a human being. They, it, it's not even possible that, that we would even for a second consider it. Well, again, the sons of God are a reference to the people of God. In Second Corinthians chapter 6, it says in verse 14, I'll start there and, and read a few verses, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. An unbeliever, the Greek word, is uh, a pistis. Pistis is the word for faith. A, the prefix, uh, negates that which comes after, which means no faith. And Christ is faith. So be not unequally yoked together with people of no faith or people without Christ. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Uh, the you may not be aware of this but the word infidel is the uh a translation of the same greek word as unbeliever for whatever reason the king james translators translate as infidel uh, infidelity means really to be without faith and and of course this is one of those words that that the modern man likes to uh pick at and and mock but it basically means one without faith, an unbeliever. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Sons of God. You see here, God is indicating, if you're going to be a son of God, you have to come out from among them. Be ye separate. Be not unequally yoked with those without faith without Christ, the unbeliever. And so the sons of God are those that were saved by God, that have possession the Spirit of God. They have Christ within. So that that line of believers has children who identify with sons of God, but they're not truly born again themselves or or truly sons of God. 
so their eyes wander to the daughters of men, and they desire them, they they want them, they marry and bear children. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.